I'd like to welcome you to the ministry of McCormick's Creek Church. We certainly hope that you will enjoy this selection. Even unto you in good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. What measure you meet shall be met unto you again. And uh, in the one place where the Bible says that we can prove the Lord is in uh, tithes and offerings in Malachi 3. So we, we see all that, and that's the knowledge that we have of it. And then you hear testimonies concerning what God did for someone. That helps build your faith. Then you act on it. And we've heard the testimonies. People have been, have been, you know, have really been blessed by giving, and we hear that, and it continues to come in. Now, the only thing that I, t- I told somebody, I said, well, one thing we've got to watch, we still want to put a gym up. So we don't want to quit giving now. We're at that, that point, but we don't want to quit right now. We want to continue, and that's going to be the second phase of everything. But uh, regardless, the, the changes we need to make, make in the architectural plans are, are going in, and they're going to get those into the state. It's supposed to by this next week. It'll still be an eight-week period, but during that eight-week period, we ought to be able to raise enough money to do it all. And that's just what we're going to believe God for. All right, just before I get into what I'm going to teach tonight, we're going to go ahead and receive the offering, but not quite yet, brethren. So get the offering bags back there and stand ready to run. And I'm going to read to you uh, Jeremiah. This is a scripture I love so much. We've used it a lot here on Wednesdays. Jeremiah 1, verse 10. See, I have this day set thee over the nations, over the kingdoms, to root out to pull down and to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. That's what we're doing, isn't it? We're doing it. Let's look at that last part again. We are rooting out what the devil is doing. We're pulling down his strongholds. We're destroying and stamping underfoot all the weapons that he uses. And we're going to throw all that down, and then we're going to build and we're going to plant because that's the will of God. Does everybody believe that? I think we ought to, shouldn't we? We believe that God can do anything if we will pull down all that the enemy has and we begin to plant and we begin to build. God will bless. That's just a promise that we have. And we can't go down. We can't, we can't fail on that now. We've got to believe it with all of our hearts. All right, let's go ahead and receive the offering, brethren, if you would. Let's go ahead and receive the offering. I know there will be some other people in the next 10 to 15 minutes, but I don't, want to, uh, I don't want to neglect here getting started. A lot of, a lot of things to cover. And we're going to be talking about, at the beginning this evening, we're going to be talking about uh, praying for or praying with people for deliverance. Praying with people for deliverance. We are uh, we're going to talk on some areas here. Now, again, we are getting into this, uh, and I don't like to use the term program. We're doing the book of Acts way of having revival, which we're going to go out in the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in, but we're going to bring them to our homes. We're going to teach them. And we're going to get them saved, aren't we? We can do that in our homes. We can bring them to church. Uh, that's what we're doing. That's what we're planning on doing. We're going to build some house churches because that's the, the Bible plan. In the society that we're living in today, people, people almost need a small group in order for them to be able to participate. If we can get them to understand and to know us, and, and you can get them saved in your homes, then you can get them into the church because they know somebody in the church. They've got a group that they know. And that's the plan. That's what we're going to do. But now what we're trying to do is instruct the people on some of the basics of how, how we deal with, uh, with different things and how uh, we, we pray for deliverance. Because we know if someone struggles with sin in their life and they, they want 
they want out. They want out of the sin. They, want, they don't want to deal with it any longer. Then we know that they need deliverance. And, and we talk about deliverance. We preach about deliverance. We, we, we do all that, but a lot of times we just simply don't see enough people delivered. And we begin to wonder what's going on. So we're going to just talk about just a, as few, a uh, few pointers here, instructions, if you want, on how to pray for deliverance. And of course, we know it's a matter, and a lot of this is, uh, some of you know, which is, is we're going to go over it again, rehearse some of it again to you so that you can remember a lot of it, because it's a matter of different spirits that bind people. Now, <laughs> once people confess sin, it doesn't mean that someone has to stand up in front of a congregation and confess to everybody, though I'm not too sure it's not a bad idea sometimes. They used to do that a lot more than what they do now. But if you can confess, uh, again, we're talking about someone that's in the world, a sinner, if you would, they confess the sin and they repent of it, which means they just don't ask God to forgive them, but they want to get free. They repent enough that they want to stop sinning. And that's important that we remember that. Then you have to command the spirits that's involved in whatever deep problems the, the, the people may have to leave. You command them to leave. Now, <coughs> excuse me. Not everybody that you're going to deal with is possessed, though I do believe that in our, our uh, time that we're living in now, that we're going to run across more people with possession. I really believe that. I think that there is, uh, that we're going to see that a little more often because there is so much that, are, that is going on out in the world, so many uh, occult religions that are out there, so many people that are involved in demonism, and they've got all kinds of, of different levels of this. Uh, and, and we see so much, especially in the time that we're living in, of people with the, In fact, there was a man back in the 70s that um, I knew. I was working at Four Winds. And he was a strong believer, and, and he felt like that in the future it was going to be this way. I'm all right, you're all right, we're all all right. No matter what we believe, what we do, everybody's okay. And, and that, was, that really began, that way of thinking began in the 70s, and uh, right now it's, it's very prevalent. You get a lot of people that come to church, and they'll, they'll get involved with our worship with us. But when it comes to receiving the Holy Ghost and getting baptized, that's where they draw the line. You're all right, and I like to do what you do, but I'm not going to be saved the way you're saved. I don't need it because I'm okay. And there's a lot of people that feel this way, and we're going to deal with this. So, And these are spirits. These are spirits that you have to deal with with people in order to get them free and command these things to leave. Now, uh, we have a lot of oppression by evil spirits, which means they, they need to confess their sins to God and repent in order for true deliverance to come. No matter what, you cannot get rid of a spirit until a person wants to get rid of the spirit. And that comes through confessing and repentance. That is our first work. You know, you don't go and get rebaptized every time you sin. You need to, do I need to say that again? The first work of a person, I'll just get on this since I'm already there. First work of a person is to repent. That's what you do. The church and the ministry baptizes you, so that's not your work. And the Bible says, do again your first works. And a lot of people use that to try to rebaptize someone. That don't, the only reason people get rebaptized and a minister rebaptizes people is because he's not got enough sinners in the church. 
So he says, hey, I baptized 50 people last week. All 50 of them was part of the church. <laughs> so, sorry. I get a little bit out of line here, <clears throat> out of hand. Okay, hit me in the back if I do that again. Would you? Okay, all right. <laughs> all right, once you help someone through this, this step of, of repentance and confessing, then you bind something that is there, whatever spirit that is there, and you forbid it to operate. You need to loose then something in its place. Otherwise, that's where the Bible says that there will be seven other spirits come back. Then that person won't be seven times worse, he'll be eight times worse. Because the spirit that was once there brings seven others with him. So that person will be worse. So you have to, you have to lose something when you bind something. And you've heard that said, and we're going to use that scripture, Matthew 18 and 18 should come up here behind me. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. The important thing there is that the original says whatever you bind must already be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose must already be loosed in heaven. You don't go around just binding and loosing unless God has already taken care of it ahead of time. Now, those are things where we know that it's, it's the will of God for people to be saved. We don't have to worry about praying, oh, God, do, do I need to bind this devil and this person so they can be saved? Yes, you do. God doesn't have to tell you because it's his will for that person to be saved. So there, but when a person goes around binding spirits and stopping you from getting enough money to buy a new house or something of this nature, you're in, you're in the wrong. Okay, you're in the wrong. So keep that, keep that in mind. So you, you, you help them, and otherwise you, you don't want them to get any worse. Now, if you bind fear, you lose the peace of God in its place. They need to repent, and we're going to keep saying that till we get it through our minds. Give themselves completely to God, praise and worship Him until they are refilled with the power of the Spirit. This is, where, this is simply how it works when a person is saved. They receive the Holy Ghost. They confess, they repent, and then they begin to praise and worship, and they can be filled with the Holy Ghost, and you get them baptized. Now, it's just, it's just that simple. We're going to keep going until we get this through, through. And so you can understand that this can happen. This can happen. You can be praying with a person on the street, and this can happen. All right? This is the way the apostles did it. When you're ministering to someone, many times you're going to feel fear as if it's in your own spirit. A lot of times you feel something in you. You ever been in a church service where all of a sudden you had something strange come upon you? And you wonder what it was. You know, you're doing real good. You're praising and worshiping God, and, and everything's doing great. And all of a sudden, this, 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 maybe this fear just all of a sudden just, or, or you get just a little. Uh, you know, I, I've had people. One person a few years ago, they were in a choir singing, and, and their hearts just started pounding. And I had to pray for them. But later on, I talked to them, and sometimes a person can be so sensitive that they can feel what someone else is going through next to them. Maybe you've got someone sitting on the end of the pew from you that's having the same uh, reaction, and if you just ask God, God help me to understand why I'm feeling this way. Uh, and if there's someone in the church that needs me to pray for them for this condition that I feel, then lead me to them. So this is, this is part of how uh, we need to learn to operate. Now, uh, so you'll feel that. You need to be careful, and you have to monitor this. Help people pray through this fear and get totally delivered. Sometimes God can give you a word of knowledge and tell you exactly what it is. And if so, you need to have wisdom from the Lord to know how to deal with this situation. There are two types. Now, we're going we're gonna to move it on. We're going to talk about healing just for a moment and get into it in a little bit more detail if we have the time. There are two types of healing. 
There's instantaneous healing. And then there is a healing, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, which is a, a what we just call a recovering type healing where a person uh, doesn't instantaneously receive healing, but in the process of days, maybe hours, uh, they will be completely delivered from it, but it's a recovery. And when you pray with people and you feel a, a deep compassion for them due to their sickness, that is compassion, that, and it comes from the gifts of healing. I always feel like, because the Bible talks about the gifts, plural, of healing. And we, again, we've talked about, I think, that a person who has suffered with cancer and has been healed from cancer, when someone else is in a congregation, they have that same sickness, they'll feel a compassion for that person, a deep compassion, because they've endured the same sickness. That's one of the gifts, plural, of healing. You may, God may give you that gift because you have got a compassion for that. And so when you feel that, when you begin to feel that, or you actually will feel a tremendous faith when you begin to feel compassion and you know someone else has that same affliction, and you begin to feel like anything is possible, then you start operating in a gift of faith. The gift of faith can actually work together with the gifts of healing. You see a person, you've endured that same affliction, you see them, and we're using cancer, they've got cancer, you feel compassion, you know what they're going through, you know if they're, they're going through chemotherapy, you've, you've felt that, you feel this compassion, and all of a sudden you look at that person and you feel a faith beginning to just grow in you because God healed me of that. And you feel that growth, then you're operating in the gift of faith. That's how this is operating, which works together with the working of heal, the gifts of healing or working of miracles. And a lot of times these three gifts will work together. You have to prepare people a lot of times for their healing. Uh, you know, you, 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 you get to the point where, uh, again, you prepare, you've felt it, you've had this affliction, you know what you did or what happened to you uh, or what you did in order to receive that kind of, of healing. So you prepare a person to receive. Uh, now, in some cases, and, and I'll, I'll give it to them, I don't believe miracles and gifts of healing are together. Uh, gifts of healing, when it comes to healing, is separate from the work of miracles. But some people call it a miracle of healings. Now, that's just neither here nor there maybe, but I, I like to keep them separate. So, so how do you receive healing? What do you need to do? Because we've seen it, we've prayed for people, and there's times, and you know how I feel about that personally, there's a lot of times uh, I, I don't feel necessarily like praying for someone that will come down. I'll let someone else do it. Because I just simply don't feel it, and there's a reason for that. Sometimes we become automatic I got an affliction, or someone near me knows that I have affliction. They grab me by the arm, they drag me down the front, and I get prayed for, and nothing happens. And I've done that 50 times, and all 50 times, nothing has happened. Are we in the right place here tonight? And so this is the 51st time that I'm going down there, and so my faith is just about that deep. In fact, it's, you can get it with a grain of mustard seed, so it has to be less than that. Okay, so, so I, don't have, I don't have any faith. And a lot of times you know that as, as, a, as a, a man of God, as a pastor, preacher, whatever, you know that person doesn't have any faith. 
So guess what? You don't have any faith because you know that person's coming down. Or sometimes, again, you've heard me say, people dislike attention. They come down to the front so people can look at them and feel sorry for them. Personally, I believe when you come down here, you need to come down here wanting to get healed. There's no sense in coming down here to be prayed for, asked to be prayed for, unless you want to. You don't do it because someone drags you down. You do it because you want to be healed. Now, let's look at this. Let's break this down just a little bit. The number one thing you need to do, and you don't have to do it to me. You just do it to yourself and to God, and that is simply this. Confess the sickness. Confess. I have got a broken finger. I have got a terrible headache. It won't give a headache healing. That's always the easy ones. Okay, I got a terrible headache healing. I, I got a terrible headache. I need a healing. All right, next thing you do is you bind the root of the problem. I got a terrible headache because I stayed up late last night watching movies I shouldn't have been doing. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> or, you know, I've got lung cancer. What's the root of the problem? I smoke 47 packs a day. We need to get to the root of the problem. Maybe that's a little abundant here, but you understand what I'm saying, don't you? Let's get to the, let's get to the root of the problem. Not only do I confess that I've got this problem, but let's go to the root of why I've got this problem. Now, the next thing you do is you lose healing and miracles. In my case, it's just lose healing, not necessarily miracles. You lose healing. And then, when you lose that and you've done all that, you begin to praise God for the healing, whether you feel like you're healed or not. If you come down here with a limp and you get pray, you've done all the things that I just told you that you needed to do, and you walk around and you still walk with a limp, that doesn't mean you still don't praise God because you don't know that by praising God that you won't walk to that back door and all of a sudden the limp stops. Or you don't know by the time you get out to your car the limp stops. Or then you wake up the next morning and you no longer feel the pain that you had there. Do you understand you begin to praise God for what God has done even though God hasn't done it yet? That's important. That's so important. You see, over and over and over a time, many times when you begin to praise God and you do it from your heart, God will touch you, heal you instantly. Instantly for this. Now that's one area. Let's look at another area here. It's praying with people to receive the Holy Ghost. And, and you see some similarities here. <clears throat> first, a person needs to have, first, they have to have faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I have to believe in the gospel. I don't come down here again I'm not drugged down here by somebody in the church to receive the Holy Ghost when I don't even believe that Jesus died for my sins. <coughs> don't, don't, don't do that. Of course, I'm telling you, that you know, there's nobody here that uh, have that problem, but I'm telling you, you've got to be sure that person believes in what you're telling them. You're, you're teaching them in a home Bible study. And you're, you're teaching that part, and you've got to be sure that they, do you believe this? Do you believe that Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, God came down from heaven, incarnate, born of the Virgin Mary, that he died on the cross, was resurrected the third day, and he did that all for you? Do you believe that? So you, you, you first get that. That's, that's to know. Knowledge. You have to get the knowledge. Okay, you believe that, then that means do you realize that God can give you part of His Spirit? Not all of Him, but part of what He is can indwell your heart. Do you believe that? You have to impart that knowledge to them. Then, there has to be a want to. Do you want to receive the Holy Ghost? 
How a lot, of, a lot of that comes, not only were you teaching them about the Holy Ghost, but you also begin to tell them personal testimonies or other people giving testimonies of how you received the Holy Ghost and what kind of condition you were in. Do you remember how bad you used to be? You remember how, how, how Sister Evans you used to smoke dope and chase men and do all that kind of stuff and God delivered you from that? Oh. <laughs> you remember. And you know, there's a lot of people that you deal with. Oh, you didn't. Men chased you. I'm sorry. I forgot. Men chased you. That, well, let's get that right. <laughs> so you remember that, and you let people know. I, you, people look at you, and they say, how in the world could this person ever been bad? Because we all look at her, and we know she was bad. But, you know, I'm just saying that. <laughs> Lord, I don't know what she would ever do if I ever, she ever moved. On Sunday morning, she's downstairs, and I'm almost lost when I teach Sunday school. And it's almost like I have anybody to pick on. <laughs> but, you know, the, the, the fact is you have to let them know by testimonies that, that this Holy Ghost, you will speak with other tongues. There will be a change in your life. You will not be the same person you used to be. So you let them know this. Next thing, and this is where a lot of people look at me cross-eyed, and it's okay for you to feel that way. That's, 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 that's your business. But there is instructions on not how to speak in tongues, but what happens to you when the Holy Ghost comes in. And you know what I tell people. I tell people, yes, we do speak from our heart, but regardless of who we are, the mind is the filter. And everything that comes from here goes through the filter of the brain. And that brain will... When God begins to put words that you don't understand, they'll come through your brain to your mouth. And guess what? Your brain will shut them down sometimes. Because you don't know what you're saying, and you simply don't do things like that. So what you have to do is the last thing you surrender, not only your tongue, but your mind to the Lord. And you don't worry about what it sounds like, that you're going to speak words you've never spoken before. So you, do, you instruct them, this is what's going to happen. That's why so many times you see them, and I, I watch people get up and leave an altar a lot of times, and they were right there. They were right at the edge, and they'd start to speak with other tongues. Holy Ghost was, was coming in, and they shut it down. And nobody told them any different because they were afraid that someone would say, well, they're instructing them on how to speak in tongues. They're charismatic. That's not true. Well, now you know. Next thing is the will to or the commitment. Are you committed to this? Do you want to receive the Holy Ghost? Do you want to live for God? The Bible tells us to count the cost. I'm in, in this case, it's hard for me to understand. I've served God a long time now. The, the, yeah, I guess at the beginning there was a cost. I, I got delivered from alcohol, got delivered from a crazy life that was leading me down to hell. I, you know, I, I don't think I paid too much. And since Jesus purchased all this to begin with, I think I got a pretty good deal on all of this. So, so you know, yeah, but still, are you committed to this? Can you take the peer pressure? Are you willing to give up some friends on the outside that don't want anything to do with you when you start telling them about Pentecost? So you have to be a part of it. Second, again, they must repent. Repentance and confession of sin is very important. And when you're praying for them, you feel a block in the spirit. It could be a lack of repentance. There's a lot of times that happens because a person is not really ready to commit. They're not ready to do this. 
a devil that is attached to them could stop this, or they're simply just a lack of faith. Third, it's imperative to transmit faith to them. Help them to understand what is going to happen to them in the, uh, in the next couple of minutes. Let them know. Tell them you're going to pray for them and, and speak the word of faith. And then, and then the Holy Ghost will come upon them. Encourage them to praise the Lord. If you begin to encourage them, and, and a lot of times you, you, I, I always tell people, I'm not going to lay my hands on I'm not going to touch you. Until I feel that you have worshipped and, and you can just see the Holy Ghost come on them, then I'm going to lay my hands on your head and you're going to begin to speak with other tongues. And guess what? It's not always worked. Now, do I stop doing it because it doesn't always work? It's not my fault. I believe it. There is still there so many variables around there. Maybe that person's not committed. Maybe that person, again, the filter of the brain, they shut it off. But I, know, I can tell you one thing I know for sure. Every time I've ever done this, I've seen the Holy Ghost coming on a person. Now, whether they receive it or not, it's a different story. But I've always seen it. So you do this, and you don't, you know, it's the same way with healing. Not everybody's going to be healed. There are sicknesses unto death. There are, there are, uh, God may be trying your faith. There can be variables here that, that, that happen. I, I don't know all the answers for this, but I do know this. God is a healer, and God fills people with the Holy Ghost. He filled me with the Holy Ghost. He's healed me. So if he'll do it for me, he'll do it for you. And that's how you have to think. You have to think that way. So you transmit uh, faith to them. Then you lay your hand upon them, like I said. And as they, they give themselves totally to the Lord, praise him and yield their tongue to God, they'll begin to speak with other tongues. They need to hope for the Holy Ghost. You need to lead them into having faith for the Holy Ghost. This is, this is where they begin to see it happening to them. And then you, you teach them how to praise the Lord. Speak in a loud voice saying hallelujah. You tell them that, that that is the highest praise that you can give to God. Pray from the heart. Pray from the heart. And again, it's going to go through the mind. But a lot of times you'll see people who are not really going. You can tell when it, comes, when it get, becomes more than just mental issues. It becomes a heart issue, and yes, it still filters through the mind, but you'll begin to see, the, 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 they'll begin to cry, their face will change. You'll begin to see where God comes on them, and, and the heart begins to, to really, the praise starts coming from the heart. And if you can stop them from blocking it with their mind, then they'll begin to speak with other tongues. It's stopping them from blocking it. Position yourself properly when praying for someone. Don't stand someone up and get right in their face with bad breath. I'm going to keep pounding on that until we get it through. And don't fill your mouth with mints and start hallelujah and spit mints all over them either. Position yourself off to the side. Spit mints on the person in the front pew. Do something of that nature. You know, anything. But just be careful. Don't get so loud in the ear that they walk around and they've got blood running out of their ears. Okay, so, 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 so do this. Yeah, we, it's good to get excited. Don't grab them and shake them. Position yourself and, and, and be careful even laying hands on them. Let them, know, let them know that when they feel your hands on them, they're going to speak with tongues. You don't touch them otherwise. Just let them hear you praying. Know how to pray with them, what to say. Again, know how to lay your hands upon them. When you're praying for them and you see and hear them speak with tongues, encourage them. Encourage them. And I'll, everybody's a little different how they do this. And a lot of ministers, uh, pastors, 
I, I always ask them, how do you feel after they've spoken tongues? Well, I feel joy. Well, that's one of the fruit, that is the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, do you know, you know, I, you know, some people will, will do this. Well, did you speak in a language you didn't know? Well, that's okay, but there's sometimes, I've prayed with a lot of people who said, I don't remember what I did. Now, you're there to verify they did speak with other tongues. So you ask them how they feel. Do you feel like you received the Holy Ghost? And if you heard them and you know you heard them speak with tongues, you can let them know. Because, again, I had a lot of people say, well, I don't know what happened. To me, that's a sign that something good happened. Um, you know, and if they, if they did not speak in tongues, don't make them feel badly about it but but always leave them feeling that they did a you know you you did it or just some things you that you still need to get out of your life possibly repent of or or be committed to you know sometimes again they just can't quite get past the mind issue here and so you encourage them and you tell them okay well you know next time that you come to church uh, i'll be praying for you this week i'll uh, i'll be fasting for you and you fast with me Encourage them. Let them know that you're you're there for them, and you're gonna you're gonna help them pray through. Um, again, receiving the Holy Ghost is very easy. Uh, repent, give yourself totally to God, praise Him, and when you do that, the glory of the Lord will fall on them. That's just a fact. It will fall on them. That's one thing that we can be assured of. Um, I, I'm going to get into again. We're going to. I said a little. We're going to talk just a little bit more about healing. Uh, and one reason this is so very important, and I'll give you some statistics on this. These are biblical statistics, which are the best kind. Uh, and this was a study that was conducted on church growth, and it concluded that only five percent of the great growth that happened in the Book of Acts was done through the mechanics of the church. The other 95% was done through the dynamics of the Spirit. An example of this is when the man was healed at the gate called Beautiful. Thousands of people came to see, and the results were that 5,000 people believed because a man was healed at the gate called Beautiful. It was a dynamic of the Spirit. And there's been other statistics that was kind of astounding if you look at them. It's estimated that there was approximately 200,000 people living in Ephesus during the time of the Apostle Paul, and 40,000 of them were believers. This means that 20% were one God apostolic believers in Ephesus. 20%. We need to be more dependent on the dynamics of the Spirit than our own abilities or programs. Now, you know me. I believe in organization. A church should be, why should a church be organized? To handle growth. That's why a church should be organized. I don't believe, the Bible says God won't put more on you than you can bear, and I believe that goes with people. God won't put more on a church than they can handle simply because they can't handle them and you're going to lose more of them. That's why we're doing some of the things we're doing now. Uh, any church that's not constantly embracing the fact that we need to evangelize is out of the will of God. But, on the other hand, a church that's just haphazardly doing it and they're falling through the cracks every time you turn around is also out of the will of God. We need to be ready to handle what we have. That means that you have more leadership in a church than one. 
You have to have people that can handle this. So this is this is why we're doing trying to go going through the the, uh, the home churches and trying to get uh, get through in some areas here and 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 help people to to be a part of the church, not just coming in and sitting on a pew and not ever feeling feeling like they're aliens. And we don't want that. We want people to come in and feel a part of it. So he wants us to be organized. And, and we need to have, uh, you know, not necessarily programs. We can't win people with programs. You win people through the Spirit. But we also have to realize that, that in order for us to, to reach the people that we need and the multitudes that we need, it has to be done through the Spirit. First Corinthians 2, 4 and 5 says, "...in my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom." But in what? Demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That does not mean, and I, this, this is another thing you hear me say all the time, the power of God is not worship. An old Pentecost, it used to be when someone would run the aisles, that was supposed to be the power of God. That's not the power of God. I am worshiping God and loving God so the power will fall, but I don't worship because the power has already failed. You want the power to fall. I worship because I love God. That's just that simple. The demonstration of the Spirit is when somebody comes up here and they're in a wheelchair and they get up and they dance across the front. That's the power of God. The Apostle Paul says in Romans 15, 18, 18 and 19, he said, For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ hath wrought by me to make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed through mighty signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about Elycrium, I have preached the gospel of Christ. The Apostle Paul said that he made the Gentiles obedient to the gospel by word and deed through mighty signs and wonders. And you may say, well, that was the Apostle Paul. So that's how we, we get by this. Well, this is Paul. Okay? Granted, it was Paul. Matthew four twenty three and 25, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing all manner of sickness, all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with different kinds of diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with devils, and those who were lunatics, and those that had the palsy. And he healed them, and there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee, from Decapolis, and from Jerusalem, and from Judea, and from beyond Jordan. I want you to notice Jesus' tactics in ministering the gospel through signs and wonders. And you may say, well, that was Jesus. Granted, that was Jesus. Acts 5, 12 through 16. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought about the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch, and of the rest there's no man joined himself to them, but the people magnified them, and believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes, both of men and women, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, and to least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about into Jerusalem, bringing sick folk and them which were vexed with unclean spirits and they were healed every one notice here that the apostles had the same tactics in ministering the gospel as jesus did through signs and wonders and you say well that was the apostles can't win here can we the best thing we can do is have to let the bible say this last part John fourteen twelve through 14, it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. 
and greater works than these shall he do. What was he talking about? He was talking about the Holy Ghost. That's what he was talking about. Because he said, I go unto my Father, and whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, and the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. That answers all of it. Jesus did it. The apostles did it. Come on, they all did it. Paul did it. They, they all did this, but so can we if we believe. And the great thing about this, we've got the baptism of the Holy Ghost, which according to this scripture is even greater than all the healing and miracles. In other words, when one person gets up from the altar, they speak in, uh, spoken in tongues, and they get up full of the Holy Ghost, that is a greater miracle than resurrecting the dead. Don't ever, don't, don't ever think anything outside of that. That is the greatest miracle of all. Greatest one. And this is very important. Jesus said that believers that believe on him will do the same works that he did. The motive is that God would be glorified through the exhibition of the signs and wonders proving that Jesus is the Messiah, the Savior of the word, world. rather. After believing the gospel, they would turn toward God and obey the gospel. Mark 16, 15, and 18. We're familiar with it. <coughs> Excuse me. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. I'm sorry, I think I said that wrong. Uh, yeah, is that right? He that... Uh, oh, the arms, yeah, I, I thought I said it wrong. He that believeth shall be saved and baptized. Isn't that the way it works? Is that right? Is that right? He that believeth and is saved should be baptized. That's how 99% of the church world says it. Now, isn't that what, is that what it says? I just thought I'd throw that in there so if anybody was awake. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. It does not say he that believeth and is saved should be baptized. Okay? So anybody that tries to talk about salvation outside of baptism, both of the water and the spirit, they're wrong. That's what this says. It's not Robertson. That's what this says. This question was once, uh, once, once asked, do you want to work for God or with God? Now, we've got scripture for that. The Bible says that we are laborers together with him. You, you think maybe our mentality has been wrong? I want to work for God. No. The Bible says we need to work with God. We work with God. And some of this, and I, I want to have qualify this instantly. When I go to Disney World, for those of you who don't believe in Disney World, pray for me. Okay. I go to Disney World. I like to ride that ride, Imagination. Got this little dinosaur guy out there, and he's, he's Imagination. And talks about all the things man has, has imagined. And, you know, the first thing that we think of when we talk about imagination is we think about 1 Corinthians 10 chapter where we cast down imaginations. But imagination has more than one meaning. One of the meanings of imagination is reason. So in that particular scripture in 1 Corinthians 10, it could say you cast down reason or vain imaginations or evil imaginations. But imagination in itself... Coupled with faith can take you a long way. 
You've got to stop and think, God did that. You imagine, he, he imagined all that he created. He's got the greatest imagination of all, an image. We're created in the image. That's where you get imagination. We're created in the image of God, so we are creators in a sense that we, are, that we have the Spirit of God within us. So we can create in our mind. Mankind can't create like God can. God can create. Creation means to make something from nothing. So we're not able to create in that sense. But through faith in God, God can create through us. Okay? In Matthew 5, 27 and 28, you've heard that it was said by them of old. Now listen to this. Old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed the adultery with her already in his heart. The key here is that he simply imagined, or an evil imagination, if you would, in his heart. If you imagine something enough, it's going to happen. You're going to do it. That's what that's saying. In Proverbs 23, 7, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. Whatever a person allows to dominate their thoughts, then their emotions will rule them, and that is what they will become. If you're negative all the time, you're going to not going to. You're nothing good is going to happen for you. And, and you see, this is where this is where we make our mistakes in healing and praying people through to the Holy Ghost and all of this. It's because we can't see it happening. We're afraid to speak it out. As if we, as we should be seeing it because we're afraid it won't happen and we'll look like fools. And so we fail in that. You understand something. You don't fill somebody with the Holy Ghost. You don't heal anybody. And we got the word. Now, now the, 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 you know, faith cometh in Romans 10. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the rhema, the word of God. The rhema is the spoken Word of God. The Logos is the written Word of God. The Logos has to come off the page and become alive inside of you. God has got to speak it inside of you. Then it becomes the rhema or the spoken Word of God. And when you use that imagination and you say, this is exactly what God said, and all of a sudden it becomes alive to you, then when you lay hands on that person, that person confesses that where sickness is, and they believe God can heal them, and you say, that you know, by, by His stripes ye are healed, and they say, now praise God for the healing. That's when the miracle can occur because it's become alive in your heart. It's become alive in you. It's, it's for us to... We've we got to let good things like this dominate our thoughts. You know, I, I'm not telling you to be an idiot about it. Where you go around and you, you know, you're giving people words that's not from God. But when you know it's clear in the Scripture... When healing is clear in the Scripture, salvation is clear in the Scripture, you have a right to put it there. You don't see that person standing there just like this. You see that person rejoicing and talking in other tongues. You see that person that's hurting, uh, just running the aisles and saying, I'm healed, I'm healed. You see it in your mind. Because then it becomes the rhema. It's the spoken word that God's spoken into your heart. Matthew 9 we know this very well. It's been used recently quite a bit. 20 through 22, and behold, a woman, which was diseased with the issue of blood 12 years, came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, look at this. She said what? Within herself, if I may but touch his garment, I'll be made whole. What did she do? Did someone tell her all you had to do was touch his garment? 
She knew he was the healer. She believed it so much in her mind, her imagination. If I can get through, if I can get through and touch a hem of his garment, I'm going to be healed. Do you realize if we would think that way, how much more would happen for us? Do you know what God could do if we had the attitude, I don't care who's in my way, they're going to be knocked out of my way so I can touch the hem of his garment and be healed of this problem? Because Jesus recognized it. Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith has made thee whole. It was the faith of the woman. And the woman was made whole from that hour. And notice she said within her, If I can but touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. This was done within her emotions. This is a place that will motivate a person to perform something. It, is so, it, it so dominated her that she became what she imagined she could become. She saw herself not being sick anymore. Hebrews 11 verse 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, and the evidence of things not seen. How can you hope for something that you cannot see in the physical? How can you do that? It has to be through your imagination. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11, verse 6, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. When we come to God, we have to see the prayer already answered. I have to see the answer. Now, I'm not talking about something to satisfy the lust of your flesh. I'm talking about something that's going to help somebody. I'm talking about something for someone else. If I, if I can just get through my negative thoughts, if I can get through my doubts and I can get through my fears and begin to plant good things in my mind and see the answer to the prayer, then there is nothing. There's nothing in this Word that cannot happen for me or for this church. If I can see it, if I can get my mind on it. When we come to God, we have to see the prayer and otherwise, otherwise... What we do, you know, and there is, I did a little study one time, and there's only one place in the whole Bible that, that speaks, I can't tell you where it's at, but there's one place, it's the Old Testament, that speaks of a prayer that was begging God. Now, it's Old Testament, and it was a Jewish prayer, and it was begging God. This is the difference in the Testaments. New Testament is not a begging testament. It's a faith testament. We don't beg God. We have faith in God. And when we begin to turn in, we're down to the altar or wherever we're praying, and we begin to beg God, that is not a prayer of faith. The New Testament is prayers of faith, not begging. And a lot of us are guilty, including myself, before of begging God for something instead of believing God for something. We need to clearly... Clearly see our prayer being answered. Ephesians 3.20 Now to him that is able to do exceedingly, exceeding, rather, abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. In us. Do you notice that? Ask or think. That's imagination. The Bible says that faith without works is dead being alone. Therefore, it is not enough to simply think about it. You have to act in order to show your faith. That is where you begin to praise God for answering the prayer, whether that prayer is answered or not. It is not enough to feel the presence of God and thereby think that you have a miracle. 
We have to go beyond that. God has, has a great imagination, and only God knows how long He imagined before He created. The simple fact is that we're made in the image of God, and in order for us to make something, we have to first imagine it. It was not enough for his spirit to move on the face of the waters. He went beyond that, and he spoke it, and it happened. Do you understand? He imagined it, but he had to speak it into existence. He spoke it into existence. In Matthew 8, 6, and 10, is saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, Go, and he goeth, and to another, Come, and he cometh. And to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled, and he said to him, To them that follow, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great a faith, no, not in Israel. Now I want you to notice that speaking the word is considered by Jesus to be great faith. Now, after this incident, Jesus took his disciples on a boat ride and allowed a storm to come while he went to sleep. What was he doing here? He just taught them by the centurion. Now, he went to sleep in the bottom of the boat, and a storm comes. He didn't want them to wake him up so that he could do it. He wanted them to do it. It's the same with us today. He wanted them to practice great faith by speaking the word. Or sometimes some of you have been put in positions and all you've got to do is speak the word. It becomes this logos here, this Bible becomes the rhema. What you memorize and there you speak it out. I know personally that works. I've told this story before. I was Years ago, I was down at the marina and we had just had one storm come in, destroy the docks, and we patched them together and another storm was coming in. I went down at midnight one night, and it was storming. I don't know what I thought I was going to do, but I did it. I went down. I said, God, this is enough. I, and I just spoke what Jesus said, peace be still. And as God is my witness, it stopped. It stopped right then. I was, I, I, why, why do we have to wait for desperation? Does that build our... I couldn't stop that storm. There was nothing. I, if it knocked every boat, sunk every boat in the place, I couldn't do anything at night. But God could. So it does. My friend, it does work. Jesus answering to them, have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, actually that says when you see have faith in God, in the original it means have the faith of God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto the mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Wherefore I say unto you, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you shall receive them and you shall have them. Now whosoever has faith in God or faith of God can speak to the mountain and if he does not doubt in his heart, very important, right here. You can't doubt in your heart. It's one thing to say it in your mind, but it's something else to believe it. Believe it right here. It shall come to pass. So you, you can't doubt in your heart. What do we speak? That's the third thing. What do I speak? Matthew sixteen eighteen and 19. I say also unto thee, thou art Peter. Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed, or already loosed, or already bound in heaven. So what do you have authority to do? Ask God to give you authority over sickness and disease. That's not selfish. To give you power and authority over the devil. 
that's not selfish. To bind sickness, that's not selfish. To bind diseases, lose healing. And if someone has fear in their life, speak to the fear and rebuke it and lose peace. This is a principle. What to speak? You speak good things that you have authority that's already been bound and taken care of in heaven. And what's been loosed in heaven? Peace has been loosed in heaven. Jesus gave us peace in the Spirit. Joy has been loosed in heaven. If you are not joyful, then you need to, you need to speak joy back into your life. You'd be surprised how much more you do if you have a little joy ahead of it. Maybe before you start anything, you need to get peace in your own life. You need to get joy in your own life. You know, we've, we've, I've seen so many mistakes in, in some of these areas. I, I've, I've taught this before years ago. It was very similar to this. I've, I've taught. Uh, and, and, you know, to rebuke fear and lose peace, these are the principles. And there, there's been times when I, I remember one particular time uh, my wife and I were going, was going to the northern part of Illinois, and, and we stopped. She got sick. Um, she had a gallbladder attack. She was hurting so badly. And I remember I was, I, I, I think I was up, all night i prayed for her all night long and she got better next morning but i began to i've looked back on that and i thought somewhere along that four five six seven eight hour prayer i must have built some faith why couldn't i have faith in the first hour you see you understand what i'm saying we 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 take so much time for us sometimes when we just need to look at the problem and bind that problem and release health. But sometimes we, we, we don't do it in the, in the right voice, in the right tone. We've got authority over sickness and disease. When someone has authority, you speak with authority. And that's how you deal with sickness. You speak with authority. I hate to say this, and I've done it, and I've, some people expect it out of you. But you know, you pray for people, and you're real gentle with them, and you know... I, yeah. And all they're doing is you're getting, yeah, you, you think you're showing compassion, but you're just patting that sickness along. Oh, good little sickness. You'll be all right, little sickness. Good little devil. Pat you back there with your little pot belly. Yeah, Bible says it's violent. Take it by force. Of course, you know, you can get too loud and scare everybody off, including the devil. But, you know, the, 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 the fact is, that we do have speak. You don't necessarily have to be loud to have authority. There's a tone in your voice. There's an authority that God gives you that it comes out. It comes out. And it comes out the right way. But we have to deal with it in the correct way. When faith meets power, this is when something is done. You understand what I'm saying? When your faith is to the point that it meets the power of God. Then when the two combined, devils will flee, sickness will flee. Whatever you need to happen in the will of God will occur. But faith has to meet power. That's vital. Faith must meet power. It's not enough to imagine your miracle and even to speak your miracle, but faith must touch the power of God. Let's look at uh, let's look at another area here. You know, the Bible speaks of um, 
Uh, in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, I mentioned that earlier. The Bible said that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Uh, weapons. Now, I want you to notice weapons, that's, and it says this, that's plural. Weapons, plural. A lot of times we take that as a singular weapon. But it says the weapons, plural, of our warfare are, are mighty through God. Now, when you talk about our weapon, in Ephesians 6, 10, 11, the weapon is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, this is a singular weapon, not weapons. I want you to note this. But you begin to look through the Scripture, and in Psalm 149, 6, and 9, it look, I want you to look at this. Psalm, she may not, you may not have this, but Psalm 149, 6 through 9. Psalm 149, 6-9. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn there. I want you to highlight this because this kind of explains something. It says, let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. There's your weapons, plural. The sword of the Spirit and the high praises of God. You see, it doesn't do any good just to take the word. There again, there, there goes the balance. We talked about a law person versus a, a, a faith person or a spirit person. I'm sorry, spiritual person. You see, the high praises is the spiritual person. The two-edged sword is the law person. So it takes both of those things to put the devil to flight. It takes both of these things to see true revival. It takes word, law, and it takes spirit. It takes both. A church that is perfectly balanced will have both. They will both, the law, word of God working, and the spirit of God operating within the church. That's what he's saying here. That's what makes sense. The weapons of our warfare are mighty through God. Let's go on and finish this. To execute vengeance upon the heathen and punishments upon the people to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute upon them the judgment written, this honor have, I, have all his saints. This honor has all his saints, all of us. Praise ye the Lord. So when the Bible talks about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, that word is not the logos in that particular term or the written word or plan or thought of God. It is the rhema of God, which is the creative Word of God. The creative word comes from the Logos, only it becomes alive in you. You have the high praises of God, and you begin to speak a scripture that you've memorized. That scripture becomes, it becomes alive, it operates, it, it opens the gifts of the Spirit working inside of you. And you speak it out, and you know it's going to operate because it is God's plan. And it is God's timing. So it's vital to, to use it correctly. Now, again, this is the creative Word of God. And so this is mixed. This Word is mixed with faith and power. In the book of Psalms, we find that the saints will have, again, the sword of the Word, rhema, and the praise, power. It is not enough to have authority and faith, but you also have to have power. I preached it over and over and again about authority and faith and, and, and power. But we, we have to have all three of them. It has to be done with authority. You have to have faith in order to touch God's power. You have to. 
And it's not enough just to go out and have little words and be afraid that you're going to fail because that's not the power of God. The power of God is going to operate and you're going to be assured whether that person, again, still is sick when he walks or she walks out of here or not. It doesn't matter. That person has to begin praising God for what God has done for them. Whether you feel a little tingle in your toe, it doesn't matter. Accept it as healing and God will heal you. That's one thing I've been assured of. And even if, if it's a sickness unto death, ultimately I'm going to be healed because I'm going to have a new body. So I accept that regardless. You know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of things you begin to see how, how people, you have to you, you tell people, you, you, God wants to heal you tonight. And, and you've got to believe that. God wants to heal you. There are some people, and I've even believed this a few times, that this is a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, or some people believe that a sickness is a judgment from God. But there, there's something that you have to realize in this. Now, number one, you begin to think that you've got a, a judgment of God. The Bible says that mercy rejoices over judgment. So he would prefer mercy over judgment. So don't, don't accept because that's all you're doing is killing yourself. Uh, I'm just going to accept this sickness. I'm going to accept, accept this disease because this is a judgment against me. But mercy is a lot better than judgment. God said that himself. So he prefers to give you mercy. But we have to accept mercy. So we have to command some of these things and uh, to, to leave and believe it. What, what is victory? Think, think about this. Now, I know a lot, especially some of you, you men understand this. You know, you've heard it said over and over again. Why don't we praise God? You know, like you go to basketball games or football games, and they all worship at the at the shrine of the ball. You know, all that. But now think about this for a minute. A basketball game, for instance. When the ball goes in the hoop, that's when everybody shouts, isn't it? And it's the same with us. We have to look at every time someone comes down for a need, deliverance, or healing, or the Holy Ghost. The ball has gone in the hoop, and we have to act accordingly. And the person that is being prayed for needs to believe that the ball has gone in the hoop, and they've got to act accordingly. You can't just walk down here and drag through it. You've got to believe God really wants to do this for me. I'm not under judgment. And believe me, if God speaks to you and says, well, I've got, I'm giving you sickness unto death, then just come down here and tell me. God must kill me with this. Don't worry me about it. You know, don't let, me, don't let me waste all my time praying for you. Then I'll ask you, what well, do you think he wants you to go ahead and die and we'll resurrect you? You know, and you, you could just you talk to God about it. But there are some people that are determined to do that. And there are others that, that really believe that God can heal them and will trust God to heal them regardless of how long it takes. Just keep believing God and keep worshiping God like you were healed. You know, one of these things, I, just stand with me. I'm not done, but I want to do this. I, I thought if I don't have time, but I, I may do this, <laughs> I may do this, uh, I may do this Sunday. I may have some people that have got some afflictions in their body. I want you to think about this. You, you, you've, I hope you've written down or at least listened to this about confessing your sickness. Confessing it. And, 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 and believing God's going to heal you. And then when you're prayed for, worshiping God, regardless of how you feel, after you're prayed for, worshiping God for the healing. And we're gonna, well, I'm going to ask some people to come there who's got faith to pray for someone like that. 
And if you've got faith to be healed come Sunday, I want you all to think about this. Think that, you know, I, I, I think I've got the faith to come down and pray for someone. If that person is willing to confess, I've got to, you know, I've got a bad back. I've got arthritis. Whatever it may be, I confess it. It belongs to me. I've preached this before. Whatever your affliction is, it's yours, all yours. Hug it real tight. Because only when you know it's all yours and you don't blame anybody else for it. That's the only way you can let go of it. Because if somebody else is involved, then they own part of it and you can't get rid of it. But when you, it's yours. This is mine. I confess it and I confess I want to get rid of it. And I'm going to worship God. When you drive that thing out of me, I'm going to worship God for the healing. Can you believe that for me and with me? Can we believe that, that God's going to do that? We're going to, we're going to have some prayer here on Sunday. We're going to see some healing occur. We're going to see some healing occur because I believe with all my heart that's exactly what God wants to do. I, he wants us to receive miracles. He wants us to receive sick, uh, healing from sickness. He wants us to do it. And we've got to speak to these things and not be ashamed or embarrassed by it. And we've got to see that person. When you come down, if we've got someone down here and you've got faith to come down, not me, some of you, they're going to be involved in this. You're going to come down and pray for them. You're going to see that person because they're going to, you don't have, but God sometimes will give you a word of knowledge. You know what the problem is. A lot of times he does that, it's going to go. Boom, it's going to go. But if it doesn't, if he doesn't give you the word of knowledge and they confess it and you see it, you, you see that person healed. You see them healed. You see them, that affliction out of their body and you pray for them. We cannot go through the rest of our walk with God until the rapture <laughs> takes place, just thinking that, that, that we're always a bunch of, uh, we're a bunch of red-headed stepchildren. Any red-headed stepchildren in here? I'm sorry. Oh, that's okay. Stephanie's back there. She's not a stepchild, though. She's a redhead. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> that's just a, a, you know, a term. But you're a, you're a sweet red-headed stepchild. I've got to get out of this one. <laughs> But you, well, I'm saying, I think one time I asked, was there any Puerto Ricans in here? And you had no, boy, I'm telling you, we got, I got all kinds of, these are new people. This is how you treat new people in the church, you know. <laughs> Love you guys, you know that. But I, I'm saying, folks, that we have got to see this situation. The way we are not something less. The charismatics can't go out here and have healing services. And people go out and, and, and give big testimonies about being healed. Where we have got the, the, true, the true faith. The truth, we've got it. We should be able to have the rest of it. Give the Lord a hand clap. I'm going to read our scripture again before we, we quit. Jeremiah 1 and 10. See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out, pull down, and to destroy, and to throw down, to build, and to plant. That's what we're doing. That's what we're trying to instruct. That's why we're going to believe this, and we're going to see some people with some faith. We're going to see some sicknesses driven out of people by the Word of God, by the rhema of God, by the power of God. Go home this week. You've got three, four days. Go home, pray, fast, and let's believe Sunday night. We're going to have, Brother Anthony's going to preach on healing. You probably already had something else to preach, but you're going to preach on healing now. So <laughs> he's going to preach on that, and we're going to see some things happen. You know, I, I, we may not have a standard service. We don't know. We may just have a bunch of healings. Bring some people that's got some afflictions in their body. Tell some people that they're going to come to church and get healed on Sunday night. I'm serious. I, I, I'm saying that. I believe that. 
I believe that. Tell them they're coming to be healed, and we're going to see some healing. And I'm not going to do it. I'm going to sit up here, take a nap while you're doing it. All right, raise our hands to the Lord. Father, we thank you for every blessing, your goodness, your mercy. We bless and honor you. We glorify you because you're able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we think or ask by the power that worketh in us. I look to you, Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. God, touch each and every one. Bless them. Keep them, Lord, as they travel. This night I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Turn and shake two or three people's hands and tell them you love them. Go back to that poor red-headed stepchild back here and shake her hand.